are listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about the church, you can reach us at www.bethelassembly.info. Tonight we are in part 12 of a series that we've been in for, you guessed it, 12 weeks. Uh, a series that we're simply calling Origin. It's a study on the book of Genesis. We're trying to process through more than just a couple of good stories. We're going chapter by chapter. In fact, it took us, if you were with us that very beginning, it took us like four weeks to get past the first three or four verses of Genesis chapter one. We are really wanting to dive into this book. And tonight, I'm excited about the message. We're simply calling it, what are you babbling about now? Anybody ever accused of just babbling? Just talking to hear your head rattle. Anybody? Oh, there's some of the hands went up. Come on, some of you heard that growing up. You were just talking to hear your head rattle. What are you babbling about now? Tonight, I want to take a time and I want to compare and contrast two distinct groups of people. One of these groups of individuals we find in the book of Genesis. The other we find in the book of Acts. Similar things are occurring between the two groups, but the outcome at the end is drastically different. One is the people of Babylon that desire to build a great tower to make a name for themselves. The other are the people of the early church of Jerusalem who have a desire to further the name of Jesus. I want to take the time tonight to look at the fact that there are similar behaviors and there are similar goals, but the ultimate heart behind their drive was distinctly different. I want you to grab a hold of that tonight. There are similarities in their actions. There are similarities in their behaviors. There are similarities in their goals. But ultimately, the heart behind their drive was distinctly different. I ask you again tonight, what are you babbling about? What is it that you are carrying on about? You see, the word babble, by definition, has two interesting defining moments. Number one is this, to talk enthusiastically or excessively. And the second is to utter meaningless or unintelligible sounds. To talk enthusiastically, are you enthusiastic about anything or are you simply making noise? Are you speaking excessively in an overabundance about something or you just have unintelligible sounds coming out of you? One group of people in our study tonight were clearly living definition one while the other was living definition number two. Which definition describes your day-to-day communication? Are you going through your day with your actions and your words, your driving force? Are they enthusiastic or are you uttering meaningless sounds? What are you babbling about now? For the next few moments, I want to dive into this topic and I want you to To approach it with an open mind and an open heart. Look at our text in Luke chapter 6. A good person, look at your neighbor, say a good person. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Do you see a similarity, a, a thread that's transpiring through all of that scripture? A good person produces a good thing from the treasury of a, a good heart. 
And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an, you guessed it, an evil heart. What you say flows out of what is in your heart. Now, I know the last Sunday morning we talked extensively about the heart and what a tremendous response we had to the altar last week. Second service, if you attended the first, you missed it. Second service, half the congregation came to the altar. It was absolutely overwhelming. I stood here on the platform looking out and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing because we don't simply want to babble on. We don't want to talk excessively about something and not have the heart to back it up. But I know that we talked extensively about the heart last week. But tonight, I want to use this scripture. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. I want to use this idea of the heart as our launching pad for our comparison. Why is it going to be our launching pad? Because the biggest difference between the two groups was not necessarily their action. You'll see throughout the night that many things of what they were doing were very similar. But the biggest difference was the why. Why were they doing what they are doing? What was it that they were babbling about? What was it that was moving them in a new direction? What was it that was stirring them and pushing them forward? Let me read the two accounts to you very quickly so then we can just take a moment and talk about them. The first is found in Genesis chapter 11. I'm sure you've heard the story of the Tower of Babel. Genesis chapter 11, if you haven't read it before, let me encourage you Sit down and process through this again after the service. It says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves. Hold on to that. Let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches to the sky. This will make us famous. This will make us famous. It's all about us. Look at what we can accomplish. Let's build a great city. Let's build a tower so that our name can be known. It'll keep us from being scattered all over the world. Now hold on to that. What was it? What was the command that God gave? Be fruitful and multiply over the face of the earth. But now they're saying, I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to populate the world. I want to stay right here, and I want to make a name for myself. I want to, I want to take this place and this moment, and I want to make a name for us. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united now hold on to that. We're going to come back to that. The people were united. Is being united a bad thing? Okay, hold on to that. They all speak the same language. 
After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages, different languages, hold on to that, different languages, then they won't be able to understand each other. Let's go to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let's back up for a moment. Acts chapter 2, the very beginning, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a roar of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like tongues of fire appeared and settled on them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. So a different tongue. Are you seeing this? As the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Now verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. Now remember the word Babel can mean talking enthusiastically, or it can simply mean using meaningless sounds. How is your babble defined? In both of these situations, we see babbling taking place. One was productive, and one was destructive. One was advancing, and one was scattering One was spirit-enhanced, and the other was self-advanced. Tonight, for the next few moments, I want to look at five observations of our daily babble. Are you ready for this tonight? Hopefully, you're taking good notes. You grabbed an outline on the way in tonight. The first observation in looking at these two distinct groups of people, the first thing I see is this. The driving force in your life will determine your end results. The driving force in your life will determine your end result. Let me start by asking you this question. What is your driving force? What is your driving force? What is it that gets you up in the morning? What is it that moves you forward? What is the reason for your existence. Why do you do what you do? You see, group number one, we find a group of individuals with one desire, to make a name for themselves. Do everything they can to promote self, to advance their name over the name of everyone else. Let me remind you, Genesis chapter 11 said this, then they said, come let's build a great city for ourselves. With a tower that reaches into the sky, this will make us famous. The driving force for this group of rebels was self. 
self-enhanced, self-promoting. What can I get out of this? If we can just build this great tower, then everyone will know who we are. No longer will they say things like, look, there goes a Nimrod. You remember the story. Everybody wanted to be a Nimrod. Everybody wanted to be a Nimrod. Today, nobody wants to be a Nimrod. But then, everybody wanted to be a Nimrod. But those building the tower thought if we could just make a name for ourselves, then everybody will forget about Nimrod. They'll begin to say, have you heard about the people of Shinar? Have you noticed the people of Babylonia? Did you hear about those that built the great tower that reached into the sky? Oh, to make a name for ourselves. But let me explain something to you tonight. It's not bad to be proud of your accomplishments. But when the driving force behind your accomplishments is pride, now you have an issue. Let me say this again. It's not bad to be proud of your accomplishments. I mean, there's been many times that I've finished mowing the yard and I stand on the the front porch and I go, that looks good. Then I go to get my wife and I'm like, honey, you've got to see this front yard. She's not nearly as impressed. But I'm proud of my accomplishments. Come on, any other guy in the house? Women, throw us a bone from time to time. Just go, wow, honey, I've never seen grass so amazing as I do right now. Give us a moment, would you? We need that moment. It's not bad to be proud of your accomplishments, but when the driving force behind your accomplishment is pride, now you have an issue. When your end goal is to promote yourself over those around you, You've missed the mark. You've missed the points of this thing that we call life. Romans chapter 12 says this, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Have you ever met that person that thought of themselves a wee bit higher than they really should have? Philippians says this, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant Then yourself begin to advance, begin to promote those around you. One translation says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Simply be humble. Again, they were not very many generations removed from the mighty miracle of the ark. How could they have been just a short time removed from the destruction of the earth and the, and the great ark and this floating vessel with all the animals and this man by the name of Noah that made it all possible, who trusted in God and was the only righteous man on earth. But just a few generations down the road, they've allowed pride to well up in their lives They began to look at self. They began to promote self. They began to advance self. If we could just build a tower super high, if we can just build this city for ourselves, then everybody will be talking about the people of Babylonia. They'll forget about that Nimrod. They'll talk about us. 
Romans chapter 1 says this, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up selfish, foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. How often do we find ourselves in that same trap, relying upon our ability, relying upon our knowledge, relying upon our understanding, allowing that trap to put us in a downward spiral. But the Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, look at that, in all your ways, in every situation, in every occurrence, in every moment, in all your ways, acknowledge Him, turn to God, rely upon Him, trust in Him, and guess what? He will make that path straight. You get the eyes off of yourself, you turn from promoting self to promoting God, and suddenly you're on a brand new pathway of life. Look at the focus of the other group. Acts chapter 2 tells, it that, tells us that this group joined together with one heart and one purpose. By the way, this is the first occurrence of a car. Did you know that? The Bible says they were driving a Honda. They were all in one accord. Let me move on. That wasn't in my notes, by the way, so that must have been spirit-enhanced. Let's, let's go on. They were working together as a group with one purpose, and that was to further the good news of Jesus Christ, sharing all they had, worshiping together. Now, I don't want to give you a spoiler here, but suffice it to say that their outcome, the outcome of this very group, was hands down better than the outcome of the group from Babylonia. Look at the difference of the focus. One is set on advancing their personal selves, while the other desires to promote and exalt God. Which one do you think received the blessing of God? Let me ask you again, what is your driving force? Is your driving force to promote self, to advance self, to make a name for self, or is your driving force to be a vessel for the glory of God? Is your driving force to be an, an instrument which God uses to proclaim His good news? What is the driving force in your life? The second observation that I see in comparing these two groups is unity connected to the wrong end goal is not the unity that God desires. Let me say it again. Unity connected to the wrong end goal is not the unity that God desires. What I find very interesting is that both of these groups, those building the great tower of Babel and those from the early church, both groups were defined as being unified. Genesis chapter 10 says that God makes a great observation that I believe is vitally important. This group of self-absorbed rebels was in fact unified. The people had several things in their favor. They were truly a united nation. 
One people speaking one language and using one vocabulary and one dictionary. They were motivated by one spirit, though a bad spirit, the spirit of pride. They had one compelling desire, and that was simply to make a name for themselves. The only thing missing was the approval of God. Look at that. You could have everything going for you. You could be unified in great purpose for the wrong purpose. You could be unified together in mind and action and thoughts. But if you're moving in the wrong direction, you'll miss the blessing of God. Hmm. You guys hold on to that just a little bit. But now we find the early church in the book of Acts four times in the course of six verses. Luke says they were all devoted to the apostles. They were devoted to the apostles, the teachers. They were all consumed with a great awe of the presence of God. They were all meeting together, and they all enjoyed the goodwill of one another. So what's the problem? Isn't unity a good thing? Well, yes and no. We should strive for unity. I think too many churches fail, too many churches falter, too many churches have problems because they fail to have unity. They fail to move forward with one mission. I'm happy to say this church has a mission and we're moving forward together in that mission. That mission is to love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus Christ. We're not consumed just by our four and no more, but we want to get outside of these walls. We want to venture beyond just Sedalia. We want to make an impact for the kingdom of God. That's why we're starting life groups. Because the stronger that we can build the base, the more advancement we can make. You see, if we don't have a solid base, then what will happen is we'll build an upside-down triangle and we'll topple. Are you following here with me? But the stronger that foundation can be, the more people we can reach the more we can advance the kingdom of God, the greater we can do what he's called us to do. We've got to be unified. We've got to move forward. So yes, unity is important, but unity can be a, a, a falter. Unity can be a, a bad thing if the focus is wrong. You see, time and time again throughout the Bible, when God's people are unified, his glory begins to fall. We see that in the early church. We see that throughout the Old Testament. But I want you to make sure that you grab a hold of the full message here. Unity for the wrong cause is still destructive. Unity for the wrong cause is still destructive. This group of tower builders were unified for the wrong cause. They, as we've already stated, were self-consumed and self-promoting which is contrary to the plan that God has for each and every one of us. But Psalm chapter 133 says this, How good and pleasing it is when God's people live together in unity. How good and pleasing it is 
when God's people live together in unity. You better believe God was being glorified by the early church as they met together in unity, as they met together with one passion and one focus and one drive, as they cared for one another and shared with one another, as they ate together and met together and advanced one another. And the Bible says, and the Lord added to the church daily. Man, we're excited when the Lord adds to the church weekly. Every Sunday, praise God, God's added to the church. But could you imagine on Monday morning, here we are in the office, and suddenly people come in and go, hey, we want to be a part of this church. Tuesday morning, people come to the building, hey, we want to be part of this church. Wednesday morning, somebody comes by, hey, we want to be part of this church. Thursday morning, somebody calls us, hey, do you guys have church? Because we want to be a part of this. Could you imagine how exciting that would be? I believe that the reason that the early church was receiving so much of the blessing of God because they were unified with the right purpose. They were unified in the right direction. You see, here's the difference. The Bible says it's a good thing when God's people join together in unity. And I believe that God blesses us individually and God blesses us corporately when we work together to achieve unity. I don't think he blesses a troublemaker. He doesn't bless those that that stir issues. He doesn't bless those that stir trouble and stir problems. In fact, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us to make every effort. Look at your neighbor, say every effort. Even when it's not easy. Wow. Make every effort to keep Unity. Unity is vital for the church. Unity is vital for the blessing of God. But unity without a correct focus can be just as devastating, just as destructive as disunity. Did you guys grab a hold of that? You guys are quiet tonight. Maybe you're thinking about the rain outside. I'm not really sure. Let me say that again. Unity is vital. But unity without correct focus can be just as devastating and destructive as disunity. We've got to work together. We've got to move forward. It's vital that we grab the vision that God has set before us and pursue His righteousness together. Look at our third observation. Pride will result in the very thing you hoped to avoid. Pride will result in the very thing you hoped to avoid. Pride brings about destructive behavior and nature in every area of life. Here we see a group of people that got their eyes off of what really mattered and onto false idols and on to themselves. They let pride consume their lives. This will surely make us famous. If we just do this, we can build a name for ourselves. That's what they exclaimed. It's self-promoting. I heard a story about a little boy. This little boy was talking to himself as he was strutting through the backyard wearing a baseball cap and toted along with him a bat and a ball. As he's walking along through the backyard, he keeps 
reaffirming himself, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he moved to the very farthest point of the backyard. I'm the greatest hitter in the world. And he takes that ball and he, he throws it up in the air and he, he swings and he misses. He kind of shook it off for moments and said, strike one. Undaunted, he picks up the ball again. He says, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Struts himself a little bit, throws that ball up in the air. He swings and misses. Strike two, he shouts as loud as he can. It doesn't bother him at all, but once again he proclaims, I'm the greatest hitter in all the world. He paused for a moment. He examined the ball. Made sure the bat was good. He spits on his hands. Wipes it on his legs, grabs the ball again. He says, I'm ready for the third one. I'm the greatest hitter in all the world. He throws the ball up in the air. He swings with all of his might and misses. Strike three. Shakes his head just a moment. He makes a new statement. Wow, I'm the greatest pitcher in all the world. Pride lands you flat on your face every time. Humility prepares you for honors. Pride lands you flat on your face, but humility prepares you for honors. James chapter 4 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Every person who has ever attempted to be a world ruler has been defeated from Nimrod to Nebuchadnezzar, to Hitler, to Stalin, even the Antichrist in the end times. Destruction and judgment from God is promised to the one with this type of attitude. We sometimes take things for granted. Sometimes we take things for credits that we really shouldn't. It's much like the beaver that was talking to the rabbits. They were staring at the immense wall of the Hoover Dam. The beaver looks at the rabbit and he says, no, I didn't actually build this one, but it was based off an idea of mine. I, I encourage you tonight, humble yourself before God. Resist the desire to promote self. Resist the desire to exalt yourself. Our role in life is to give God glory. Our role in life is to honor Him and Him alone. He alone deserves the praise. He alone deserves the glory. Now remember that the early church, they had a desire to promote God. It says that a, a deep sense of awe came over them all. What was that deep sense of awe? I believe it was the very presence of God. It was a sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit consuming every morsel of their being. Between these two groups, we see two distinctly different outcomes. One is consumed with pride and one is consumed by the awe of the Holy Spirit. One is self-absorbed and one is God-absorbed. In the end, we discover that humbling ourselves before God catches the favor of God. While promoting self, 
draws the attention of destruction. Look at our fourth observation. Obedience isn't always easy, but will result in God's blessing. Obedience isn't always easy, but will result in God's blessing. Let me read three scriptures to you. Deuteronomy chapter 5. It says, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you. So that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you. What is it that God is speaking into your life but for one reason or another you're failing to walk in obedience? Jeremiah 7:23 says, "But I give them this command, obey me, God is speaking, and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. How many of you know when you walk in obedience with God, oftentimes it goes well? Now, I'm not saying it's always going to be perfect because there's this also thing in this equation called life, and sometimes life's not fair. Sometimes life doesn't play nice. But you begin to follow after the, the calling of God. You begin to follow after the obedience that God has placed upon your life. You begin to call after the command and you do what he's called you to do. I promise you this, God will walk with you every step of the way. Psalm 128 says, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience. You want to live a blessed life, walk in obedience with God. God has commanded the people to be fruitful and multiply and to scatter across the earth. But they decided to move to Nimrod's city of Babylon and settle there. Let's build a tower. Let's make a name for ourselves. Then we won't be scattered. This move was blatant rebellion. It was rebellion against God's command. It was blatant rebellion against what he had called them to do. He had told them to scatter, to multiply, to populate the earth. But apparently Nimrod wanted them in his city and under his control. This tower that they built, it was known as a ziggurats. Archaeologists have excavated several of these large structures which were built primarily for religious purposes. A ziggurat, let me share a little information with you, was like a pyramid except that the successive levels were recessed so that you could walk to the top on steps. At the top was a special shrine dedicated to lowercase g, God, or lowercase g, goddess. In building this structure, the people weren't really trying to climb to heaven to dethrone God, but rather they hoped that the lowercase g god or goddess that they worshipped would come down from heaven to meet them. The structure and the city were called Babel, which means the gates of the lowercase g gods. This infamous project was an arrogant declaration of war against our God. But 1 Samuel chapter 15 says, listen, obedience 
is better than sacrifice. Now, why would I bring up the idea of sacrifice? I see in the early church, sacrifice was to give glory to God. They sacrificed their possessions. They sold all they had. They took care of one another. They gave all they had for the betterment of the whole. They sacrificed their time to connect with one another, to learn more and more about God. They sacrificed to increase their connection and the ability to reach into one another. I've shared it a couple of times already tonight, but let me share it again. I'm encouraging you to make some sacrifices this fall, to get connected in this church, to be a part of a life group, to walk life together. Some of you have already determined in your mind, when I mentioned it this morning, you already said, I don't need such a thing in my life. But I would say to you, according to the early church in the book of Acts, a life group is exactly what you need. You need a group of people that can invest in you and, and you need to allow God to use you to invest in a group of people. We need one another just as the early church needed one another. I encourage you, do not miss out on this great opportunity to connect with those around you. But understand, this was not the only sacrifice. They were willing to do and to be all that God had called them to be, all while having a heart to advance the kingdom of God and God alone. Are you willing to be a vessel for the glory of God? Or are you satisfied being a sponge that simply soaks all that he can? Let, let me ask that again. Are you willing to be a vessel for the glory of God, or are you satisfied being a sponge that simply soaks all that it can? You see, I believe that really we're called to be both. There are times that you need to soak, but there are times that you need to be wrung out for the glory of God, to be spent for his purpose. It was King David that refused to offer a sacrifice that cost him nothing. What is your sacrifice costing you tonight? I want you to know that the payoff in the end, if the purpose and the drive is right, the payoff in the end is worth it. Look at the fifth and final observation tonight. The outcome may appear the same, but the end result is vastly different. The outcome may appear the same, but the end result is vastly different. The word babel sounds like the Hebrew word balal, which means confusion. Because of God's judgment, the gates of the gods, the tower of Babel, became the door to confusion. Instead of making a name for themselves, God confused their language and scattered them all over just as he had instructed them to do in the first place. But I find it interesting that the, those at the Tower of Babel ended with a new language that no one understood and a language that edified no one. Let me say that again because you've got to let this sink in. 
those at the Tower of Babel, those that wanted to make a name for themselves, those that wanted to advance themselves, those that wanted to do their own doing, they ended with a new language that no one understood and it edified no one. But those of the early church, they also ended with a new language. It's a language that that God understood. And the great thing about this language, it edified everyone. Now see, I was excited about that. I'm looking at those that are promoting themselves out of pride. I'm looking at those that are blatantly walking their own direction. And I see the babbling is meaningless confusion, meaningless words that impact no one that they don't understand. But then I see the babbling over here, a new language that God understands that edifies the body The body is being blessed. God is adding to the church and the only difference was the hearts. Promote self. Promote God. Make a name for self. Make a name for God. Advance our agenda. Advance the kingdom of God. Meaningless babble, edification of all. You see, the outcome may appear the same, but the end result is vastly different. Acts 2 4 says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. I want you to listen carefully tonight. I believe that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is still for today. I've talked to other pastors and they've made this comment, not Assemblies of God, but other churches, they've made this comments. Well, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We just don't practice it. that's silly that doesn't make much sense at all to me I believe that hamburger tastes good and I'm going to eat it come on Randy that's for you brother right I mean if we know that it's there if we know that it's in the word of God if we know that it's a promise from the Holy Spirit it's going to fill us why not seek him Promote self, promote God. I want to challenge you tonight. I don't know what it is you're babbling about. But I tell you, if you begin to seek after the face of God, if you begin to call upon Him, He's going to pour out His Spirit upon you. Every time, every time, 